Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. On today's show we hear Melanie share the birth stories of her three daughters, including twins, and the compelling discoveries she made through a challenging postpartum. Following the birth of her first daughter, which she describes as a mostly positive experience, she suffered in silence, completely unaware that she was showing signs of significant depletion. Although she sought out answers to why she was feeling this way, she was told that what she was experiencing was merely signs of motherhood. It wasn't until she furthered her studies in naturopathy that she began to finally unveil the real cause of her struggles. Left astounded by the differences in her postpartum experiences after the birth of her twins, she went on to specialize in postpartum care, fertility and pregnancy care, guiding and supporting women along their own journeys to be the best version of themselves. This is an episode that highlights the importance of self-care and taking the steps needed to support your body and in turn mind throughout your pregnancy and postpartum. Enjoy the episode. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk. Do you want to start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Mm, so um, I have a family of uh, three daughters and we live in Eltham, North Victoria. So it's a beautiful bushy suburb um, on the outskirts of Melbourne. And I've got seven-year-old and three-year-old twin girls, identical twins. Beautiful, identical twins. So was that a total shock to you guys when you found out? Yeah, well, it was totally unexpected and there is no twins anywhere in the family oh, really? so um yeah it was really shocking it just it just happens like sometimes the embryo can just split in half yeah. mind-blowing so were your pregnancies planned conceptions yeah, so with my daughter, um, it was a beautiful surprise. I was only 21, okay. so we fell pregnant and I was just starting my degree. So I'm a naturopath and I run a women's health clinic now. Amazing. But I just signed up for my first trimester of my naturopath degree and I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm 21. I haven't finished uni. I live with my parents. Um, you know, we were in a really good relationship, but we weren't living together yet. And so we were like, let's just do it. And obviously it was the best decision I ever made. Um, I would never change it. But it was definitely difficult because I was studying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Was there anything you did once you found out you were pregnant to sort of better support your body during that time? So I certainly know a lot more now than I did seven years ago, but I did have an understanding of, of a good quality prenatal versus prenatals you might just find in the chemist. Mm -hmm. So I certainly did take more than, than, you know, just a basic prenatal. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. So just quickly then, I know a lot of things would be personalized to the individual, obviously, but is there any advice you can give that is more of a Mm. general recommendation for everyone? So I would always suggest getting blood tests done at least three months before trying to conceive because you want to know if there is any problems on a blood test. For example, your iron is low, your B12, your vitamin D, your thyroid. We want to know that well and truly before that preconception window of three months because it will take time to rectify those deficiencies. Mm-hmm. You do not want to walk into a pregnancy with a deficiency because that means the baby might be at risk, you're at risk of, of more depletion, and you will have a better pregnancy physically. Um, you'll have better outcomes and birth outcomes and pre- pregnancy outcomes if you are on top of everything. So I sort, sort of say, you know, and obviously, you know, for example, with Willow, she was not planned. So I didn't have any of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But if you are planning to conceive a blood test around six months before, mm-hmm. you know, seeing a good quality practitioner that really understands, you know, all of that, that's what, you know, that would be my recommendation is a naturopath normally, but there are other amazing health practitioners out there that also do, you know, blood test interpreting and are across all of the nutritional requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, then three months, you know, and then starting a good quality prenatal. And I don't mean one just from the chemist, you know, one that's got things like choline in it, which um, is missing from a lot of prenatals uh, over the counter good practitioners will guide you on that anyway. But doing that about three to six months before, because that is when the egg is developing. I'm so passionate on preconception care and it makes a massive difference to the success of falling pregnant, the pregnancy itself and the health of the pregnancy and also the baby. So, you know, just things like taking fish oil and omega-3s, DHA, it's not very spoken about, but the research is so clear on the benefits to doing that. Like it can prevent preterm labor. It can increase the baby's birth weight. Wow, really? Yeah. So um, there's a lot, I think, that needs to be done for, for the pregnancy that, that maybe um, isn't that spoken about in the medical industry mm. right now. And the first step is getting a blood test. I mean, how easy is that? Yeah, I know. And then you know also then maybe taking those blood tests though to a practitioner that specializes in women's health and pregnancy yeah because you know you may go to your gp and they may be like no everything's okay however practice other practitioners do look at things a little bit differently than gps so they may pick up on some suboptimal levels yeah okay if you can walk into a pregnancy with really good iron and you know stored iron is your ferritin so you know you really want your ferritin to be above 80 before being pregnant and to take a good quality iron supplement throughout the pregnancy if you start to drop and yeah and even a good quality iron supplement it's certainly not always found in a chemist because there's different there's different you know practitioner label things that need a prescription they're certainly stronger they're more absorbable um, so they tend to work a lot quicker and, you know, people will say, oh, I took this from the chemist and my iron didn't budge. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense because that iron form is a really low absorption. So it actually won't absorb as well as something like iron biglycinate, for example. Mm-hmm. The absorption rate is so high. So you will take that and it will, it will do so much more for you. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can't beat yourself up if you had a pregnancy and and all you took was an over-the-counter prenatal because if you didn't know, how can you do anything about it? Like, I look back and there's some things I, you know, I've done with my health before and I'm like, oh, if only I had have known, you know, like I've been anemic before and I just took ferrograde C and it did nothing and I was anemic forever. And I thought, if only I had had better knowledge, I wouldn't have felt like death that entire year of my life. Oh, crazy. Actually, something really valuable I took away from my postpartum with the twins is that Mm. often postpartum depletion can be misdiagnosed as postpartum Mm. depression, which I think is really crucial to know. Yeah. So postpartum depletion is a real thing and I find people can be misdiagnosed where they're severely depleted and presenting with depression and anxiety and and a whole host of other concerns and it's actually coming from the depletion versus coming from more depression where you have the biochemical brain concerns. So, Mm. So, yes, I find postpartum depletion to be very real, very common and very misdiagnosed as well. 
So interesting and so much to learn about this topic. Mm. But let's jump back to your pregnancy. How was that? So that was, it was a fantastic pregnancy. I think the, you know, the morning sickness really hit me where I felt so out of control. Um, So I did have morning sickness with her up until about 14 weeks. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely a hit on my mental health because, you know, I'd never experienced that. And I was thinking, this is, I feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm still working. I'm still studying. I feel really unwell. And that, that, you know, I felt really down about that. But once that was over, I felt so much better. Um, and because I didn't have any other children, I was living the life, you know, I loved it. <laughs> I was exercising and I was, you know, I felt great. Um, I loved every minute of it and I did a lot of preparation with a doula for, for the birth and I did hypnobirthing. Um, I learned a lot about the medical industry with birth and hospital births and how adamant I was that I wanted to have as little intervention as possible, yeah. hence why I got a doula and she was amazing worth every penny. So, yeah, so the pregnancy was fine. I went to 41 weeks. Oh, nice. And what model of care did you choose? So I went through maternity group practice, nice. which which was fantastic. So I had the same midwife the whole time in the pregnancy and that really was a beautiful model of care, especially because it was my first birth and I was 21. I did have fears, you know, like yeah. I was scared of giving birth because I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. Oh, because you wouldn't have had any friends that had had babies at that stage. No, all my friends were still partying. Oh, of course. <laughs> So I went through a huge life transition really where I moved away from a lot of friends because I was getting ready for motherhood and they were still going out drinking and partying all the time and that was just not my mindset anymore. So there was a huge life transition and huge development for me which was the best thing for me actually because I did feel like I was lacking a little bit of purpose maybe and unsure of what my my role in the world was. And then as soon as I was pregnant, I was like, this is it. This is me. This is what I'm meant to do. And, and I've always felt like that, like being a mother was absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to me in terms of just developing and becoming who I wanted to be. And my sister had kids young, but she lived in South Australia. So I didn't really have anyone close by. Of course. And what about finding a doula? How did you know that you wanted that type of support? So it was my sister. Yeah, it was my sister because my sister had two babies. So first birth was medicalized and it was horrific for her, really traumatic. Everything went astray, Um, you know, like the cascade of intervention was insane. Then she went on to have her daughter and her birth was vastly different. So she learned a lot in that three-year gap between kids around the cascade of intervention and, um, you know, just allowing natural physiological birth to occur. So she had said to me, oh, you've, you know, you've got to get a doula. They're, they're just worth their weight in gold. If you want to be having a natural birth mm-hmm. with, with little intervention, they can be amazing because she allowed me to be in my home environment to labour there for eight hours. So my labour was, I think, 10 hours. So I, like eight of those hours was at home with the doula and there's no way – I would have been able to get through that at home on my own yeah. without the doula. Should we go to the first sign of labour with her? Mm, so it was four in the morning. So I was 41 weeks on the nose and it was 4am in the morning and I started to get period pain and I knew instantly what it was <laughs> because, you know, 41 weeks you were trying to search for any little sign of of labour. So um, period cramps started and <laughs> I texted my sister. I was like, oh, my God, if this is what labour is like, this is no problem. <laughs> And she was like, just calm down, it does. Yeah. But it stayed really manageable until about 8 a.m. Um, so I just lied in bed the whole time from 4 to 8 and it was just period pain at that point. And then I woke my partner up and I was like, I'm in labour, I think. And then it did start to ramp up. As soon as I got out of bed, I think, it really started to ramp up and – then the intensity hit and I began vomiting a lot. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like every time I'd get a contraction, I would hunch over and vomit. Mm. And it was horrid. And I was thinking I must be close because why else am I vomiting? I don't know. I'd heard something about like toward the end of labor, you can vomit. Yeah. And because the pain was, it was really intense at that point. So 
the doula lived her an hour away. And so she was like, okay, well, let's meet at the hospital then and just, and just check in then if it's that intense. But she, I think she was saying, I don't know if you're there yet. It's, it seems very quick to me. Mm-hmm. So we drove to the hospital and that was really horrific. Like the car ride was a struggle because of the pain. I don't know, every bump and I just wasn't in my zone. I wasn't able to be in the positions that I wanted to be. So we went to the hospital and my labor stopped mm-hmm. entirely as soon as I walked in the doors. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to have, you know, full conversations and they said, this can happen. You're really in early stages. Like you need to go home and get it started again. And they actually suggested to do walking and stairs. So we all went home again and my doula then started to get me into more an active, an active labor. So, you know, the birthing ball, we did stairs up and down over and over. I would have done a hundred staircase laps. <laughs> as soon as I got back home again in my own environment, it was right back on. And it was just, you know, I felt like I was starting to go into a different world and on a different planet that, you know, that experience of like, I'm not here anymore. I'm somewhere else. Mm. Um, and the vomiting stopped, which was a blessing. And so then I really had no, no conscious knowledge of time. It really felt quicker than it was. And we looked at the, well, I mean, I looked at the clock and I was like, Oh my God, it's two o'clock already. And I was sort of resting in between contractions on my side because I started to feel really just physically exhausted, like my body couldn't do any more walking because we'd done stairs for hours um, to try to get Willow's head lower, I, I suppose, was the point of it. Mm-hmm. And then we drove to the hospital again and we actually lived opposite to my parents at that time we were renting. <laughs> my mum knew I was in labour, but I'd said, mum, I don't want you to come anywhere near me because I felt as though if mum was around, I might get a bit sooky. Oh, yeah. Okay. have that relationship with my mum where she is the mum and I'm the child and she looks after me. And I really felt so strongly like, mum, I don't want you around because I think I'll get really, um, yeah, really sooky and panicky. Mum, help me. I don't like this anymore. Yeah. And I was like, I need to be the mother. I don't need my mother around. I'm the mum now. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, mum was standing on her lawn screaming out across the road to me like, oh, my God, is the baby coming? <laughs> you know, like tell me as soon as it's born kind of thing. And I was like, mum, you know, I saw it actually. I was like, leave me alone. And getting in the car. And so we drove to the hospital and I, and I don't even remember that at all. Um, and then we arrived and they noticed I'd bled a little bit or there was bleeding a little bit in my undies. So they did a, um, you know, they monitored my belly with the strap. I don't even know what that's called. And they were she was fine Mm -hmm. anyway then my midwife my beautiful midwife said get on the bed and you know hunch over the back of the bed so they sort of lifted up the head of the bed head hunch over that um I guess they knew I was close and I started screaming at that point like I really can't do this much more um I never once thought about asking for medication though it was never even something that entered my mind I think I just went into that knowing there is no option for you. There is no drugs. I just thought if I convince myself that there is no nothing, mm. just get through it. Not to mention I have a huge phobia of needles. So the thought of an epidural to me, I would actually rather go through like significant pain because I was so fearful of a spine needle. Yeah. Anyway, I was, you know, hunched over the bed and I was started to cry and I was like, I really can't do this anymore. And, and they were just beautiful. They were saying, you are doing it. She's nearly here. We didn't know it was a girl, but you are doing it, um, just let it go and don't push. They were really big on do not push, let your body do it. Amazing. And that was amazing because my doula had my hips, you know, she was really pushing into my hips with her palms and fists because I felt like I was splitting open literally. (laughs) And, um, you know, my partner was, you know, rubbing my head and then the midwife was like, don't push, you're doing great, she's coming out, do you want to feel her head? And I felt it. Like, holy shit, this is real. I can hear. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it just, I think it was just two, two, two surges and she was out and, in, and I caught her and I thought she's like, oh, the head's out. Come lean backward a little bit and put your hands down here. And I was so shaky. You know, I was like, I can't grab a baby. Yeah. But I did and brought her to my chest and then we found out she was a girl and it was everyone was sobbing, the midwives, the doula. It was just lovely. So beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, after she was born, they were like, oh my God, she's so chubby. Let's, let's weigh her. And so we did skin to skin for a little bit and then we weighed her and she was 4.45 kilos. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she was, so, she had rolls on her wrist. Oh. And yeah. It was so funny. And I started to breastfeed and, and then I got into the shower and I started to feel quite faint <clears throat> and like quite unwell. Anyway, and I said to my midwife, I said, I don't feel great. Like I'm feeling quite faint and weak, but I thought that was normal. And she said, oh, I think you're bleeding a little bit too much. Um, sorry, I'm going to call a doctor in. Anyway, so I got on the bed and, and I started to feel really quite weak at this point. And the doctor came in and then all of a sudden there was like eight people in the room. Um, there was midwives and there was one doctor and they were saying, look, you're bleeding too much. We need to clear out your uterus or something. It's, it's still a bit... I was a bit unclear, but anyway, she said, do you want any gas? Because this is going to hurt. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Just get it, done. get it over and done with. So the doctor put her hand up really as high as she could go to scrape out my uterus. And they thought there might've been oh, maybe a collection of a clot or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Because my uterus wasn't contracting down. So it was still quite big. And this was, I don't know, two hours after the, after Willow was born. Had you birthed the placenta? I had, so sorry, yeah, so I birthed a placenta. I chose to do a physical, a physiological delivery of the placenta, so I said no to the injections and just let it come when it came, and it came about 45 minutes later on the toilet, yeah. um, but my uterus didn't go back down again, so blood kept collecting there. So they scraped out my uterus and there was a huge clot and that was agonising. Then they said I needed a drip um, to start giving me some medication to stop blood loss. And then I had two injections in my leg um, and they put medication up my bum as well and gave me a catheter. So it was really like all this stuff just happened in like the space of 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and it was really scary and full on and I was shaking profusely and, you know, it it was like, oh, I've had this amazing birth and now all of a sudden I've needles here and I've got, you know, a catheter and... It was quite full on. And then they just kept checking the blood loss and it did slow down. So everything worked. And that really did traumatize me though. Like the next few days, every time I got up, I was really scared I was going to bleed down my legs. And every time I moved, if I felt something pass, I would really get severe anxiety and call the midwife and say, oh my God, am I bleeding again? Yeah. So I lost, I think it was about 1.5 liters of blood. And yeah, that, that caused me to fear an infusion or a transfusion. But later on, six weeks post-birth, no one suggested I get a blood test. I went to my six-week check and the doctor didn't even mention it. Wow. And so I actually had anemia that was undiagnosed for a good year and that really impacted my ability to enjoy motherhood because I felt every time I stood up, I saw black. So I, I had to hold on to something every time I stood up. I had bruises up and down my legs. I was exhausted, like beyond beyond sleep deprivation. It was like I can barely open my eyes, let alone I was getting woken every two hours by Willow. In the end, they said the blood loss was likely because Willow was really big and she was born quite quickly in the pushing stage, well, the, the you know, that stage of birth. And they said that they thought my uterus was, you know, really, really big because of her. And then all of a sudden she was born and there wasn't enough time for it to slowly contract down on its own. Um, Also, you know, I was iron deficient in the pregnancy and that can lead you at higher risk of having blood loss as well. And because of the physiological delivery of the placenta, I think that left me at higher risk as well. So it was kind of a couple of things, I think, just contributing. Yeah, okay. And that sort of brings us back to, again, the importance of checking your levels before your Mm -hmm. pregnancy and birth. Yeah. Wow, four kilos, mama. Well done. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Yeah. And a land birth also, so no water immersion. Yeah. Well, the hospital didn't have water births. So, of course. And it's funny, when I was in the shower, I actually was feeling really nauseous and weak. Um, And I don't know if it was the temperature of the water, but I felt like, you know, that feeling of like so hot you can't breathe. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I actually didn't really like it. Whereas everyone was like, water is the best thing. It's your best friend in labor. Whereas I did not find that for myself. I, I really hated it I felt yuck so interesting and were you still doing your degree at this stage Mm, yeah so I started studying back again when she was three months old but she just went everywhere with me and 
I studied a lot of the early subjects online as well. So, um, so that was fine. I wasn't away from her a great deal. And, um, you know, I breastfed her until she was three. So I was still able to do that the whole time. And, um, I just had my mum look after her later on when I started to need, you know, needing to go into uni. Mm. It was hard though. I was exhausted. You know, she, yeah, she, just the, the whole learning about, motherhood and I've never experienced that level of fatigue before in my whole life I didn't even know it was possible yeah you know going going from someone who can do whatever whenever then to have to be tied to someone it was it was a real breakdown of who I was and then a rebuild of who I was going to be yeah yeah I don't know about you but that initial transition from maiden to mother was a lot more challenging for me than my transition from a mum of one to three Mm. initially anyway I think yeah emotionally after Willow there was a great deal of of yeah it was it was much much harder after her Mm -hmm. um after the twins I didn't have any emotional adjustment like I knew what it was like to be selfless I knew um I was put second in comparison to her whereas you know normal life you're not you, you always put yourself first when you don't have kids it's you just just you you're worrying about but I was already so used to all of that so having the twins was a breeze I couldn't imagine having twins first though that yes just no 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 I really could not do it like it would be so difficult so what was that journey like for you in between Willow and then conceiving the twins health-wise oh well Willow was 18 months old and I was suffering from chronic migraines every time I got my period I felt so unwell I just felt like rubbish. Like there's no, I, I, I've just never felt that worse probably in my life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as I was going through my degree, I was learning so much. And it was then when I realized I was like, hang on, you know, this is, this potentially is going on and this and this, and I can't believe I'm not taking anything. And, you know, I'm probably really depleted. And then I got a blood test and the doctor was like, you're totally fine. And then I said, well, can I have a copy of those? And I took them home and I saw the lab had highlighted my ferritin and hemoglobin and said, you know, anemia. And I thought, mm. what the heck is going on? The doctor said I was fine. I don't feel fine. Now the lab's saying I'm anemic. Um, and anyway, I was getting acupuncture done for my migraines because I couldn't understand what was causing the migraines. I'd never had migraines before, but every time my period arrived, I would be um, in, in 10 out of 10 pain for two days. And so I, you know, I thought I'll try acupuncture anyway. The acupuncture said, Oh, can I look at your blood test results? And I was like, okay, sure. And he was like, Oh my God, you know, this is low, this is low, this is low. No wonder you feel the way you do. And I was like, it just was this light bulb moment of, Oh, I don't, this is not normal motherhood. This is not how I'm supposed to feel. Because the doctor had kept saying, well, you're a mum now. You're meant to be tired. You're meant to feel like this. And that's wild. I, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it happens all the time, doesn't it? And I Mm. thought that was how it was. And I probably didn't tell people around me how I was feeling because telling them I was struggling made me feel like, well, I'm admitting I'm really, maybe motherhood wasn't, I'm not cut out for it. So I really didn't tell anyone how I was feeling. You know, I told my mum and sister, God, I'm tired, but probably not, not like I feel like I'm dying daily. Yeah. And then anyway, so I started repairing the deficiencies and the depletion and and then I felt like me again. I was like, oh, my God, was it that simple? I could have done that years ago and I would have enjoyed motherhood so much more. Yeah. And I guess the thing is if I had just gone to the one GP and accepted their advice, I would have remained in that position for how much longer. So mm. it makes me sad, you know, in my job now when I see women through the clinic, I think how much longer would you have felt like this if you didn't have a moment of thinking I'm going to find someone else to look at these results. I'm going to I'm going to keep pushing because this is not okay for me. Where how many women are like, oh, well, I was told I was fine, so I must be. Yes, exactly. It just reaffirms to me why it is so important for us to share this information, get it out there, and share our stories with one another because you don't know what you don't know. Oh my gosh, it just it just takes telling a friend even because. You know, if you tell a friend, this is how I'm feeling, that friend might say to you, well, go find someone else or that's not normal. I heard that, you know, you could do this or have you heard of this naturopath or have you heard of this nutritionist? I don't know, just sharing it. Maybe I would have gotten help earlier. Yeah, so true. But so it wasn't until then that I felt ready to have more babies because at that point I was like, there is no way 
I could have another child. Like physically and emotionally, yeah. I couldn't do it. So I, I really actually accepted I'm just going to have one child because there's just no, there's no way in hell I could have another pregnancy feeling like this. Can I ask how long did it take you to feel normal again once you had sort of taken action? Oh, not long. A couple of months. My migraines, as soon as I fixed my ferritin, my stored iron, my migraines stopped. That was oh. life-changing. Was that through an iron infusion? No, I have a fear of needles. So no, that was not going to be on the cards for me. Um, so no, I just took supplements and I, you know, the migraine stopped, which was just insanely freeing. Um, and it's funny at that point I had really severe health anxiety as well. And I think it was because I genuinely felt like I couldn't trust my body because everything felt like it was failing. And so the health anxiety got so severe and, anxiety as everyone knows is really horrific to go through and so once I started to feel physically better my mental health just skyrocketed and that's you know that's a huge part of my clinic is the connection between if you're physically not doing well your mental health will also follow there's no way you can feel physically weak tired you know unwell have concerns with your immune system and whatnot and then also have perfect mental health it just doesn't like that so that was when I started to feel better and I had more motivation. I was clearer. I felt happier and my anxiety pretty much vanished. I started to trust my body again because I felt better. Yeah. So, yeah, so then, you know, I'd always wanted to – well, once I started to feel better, then I then I felt, okay, well, I would love to have um, another child. Mm-hmm. And it was a while later, though. So, you know, we didn't fall – well, I didn't fall pregnant with the twins until – Willow was over three. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be breastfeeding anymore either. So I was like, I'll finish up the breastfeeding journey when she's ready. And that was around three. Yep. And then, yeah, it just, it just happened. And, you know, I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. That was so, that was so easy and quick. It was just one, one month. And that was a bit of a shock. Yeah. It's funny. I, um, I've always known I was going to have twins since I was younger. I've always known I was going to have twin girls. It's just, I can't explain it, this spiritual knowing. And so I was like, this is twins. There's no doubt about it. And they're girls. I knew it in my heart. And I'd seen a psychic when I was three and a half weeks pregnant. I think I just found out. Like I, I got a positive pregnancy test nine days before my period was due. So that was another sign to me. I was like, how did I find a positive this early on? I just did it because I was like, I can't wait. Then <laughs> um, I was like, well, is it twins? Because it showed up so early. And then I saw a psychic and she's like, you're pregnant with twins. And I, and I was like, I knew it. Wow. And then so I had my doctor's appointment and I said, I want to get a dating scan. So I didn't know about dating scans when I was pregnant with Willow. My first scan was 12 weeks. So this time I was like, I want to scan immediately. I need to know if this is twins or not. <laughs> and my partner and I were sitting outside of the ultrasound appointment and we looked at each other like, well, what if it's twins? And we were laughing. And I said, oh, I think I'll be kind of disappointed if it's not because I'm so yeah. expecting that it is. <laughs> I can't explain it. It was Some people don't believe me, but, yeah, legitimately. So we went into the scan and Willow was with us and she was three. And the lady, <laughs> she said, um, okay, so do you have twins in the family? Oh, wow. And I was like, you are kidding. <laughs> and, yeah, and lo and behold, there was two two little sacks, two oh, little heartbeats. So and Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at that point she thought they were fraternal. I'm not sure why, but she, that was, she's like, oh, I think they might be fraternal, but I don't know if you can even tell that early on. I'm not sure. So I was, and then I was initially, I was over the moon. I was so excited. I was like, this is the best. I can't wait for this. But a few weeks later, I started to feel the effects of twin pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started to feel really emotionally quite low. I was, I've never felt as sick as that before. It was constant, constant nausea. I was so tired. Um, everything was hard. Like my heart rate, there was something going on with my heart. So every time I stood up, you know, my heart would jump to like 160 and it would stay there. I couldn't even tie my shoes up because of my heart rate. Mm. Um, I felt faint all the time and um, I never really got answers as to why. It was just because you're pregnant with twins. I don't know. Yeah. And then I started to feel a little bit ripped off. I was like, oh, I'm not going to experience a good pregnancy here. It's going to be hard the whole time. Willow, I loved every minute of it. So that was a huge adjustment of going from loving being pregnant to hating every second of it. Uh, 
I'm resonating with that so deeply. <laughs> yeah. So what yeah. model of care did you end up choosing? Because obviously if you go the medical route, you don't really have much of an option. So I texted my old midwife. Mm-hmm. I um, had her number and I texted her and I was like, oh, my God, I just found out I'm pregnant with twins. Can I still go with you? Like what, what does this look like for me? Because I wanted to do maternity group practice again. I loved it. And she was like, oh, my God, what type of twins are they? That makes the biggest – that's the biggest issue because if they're high risk, that that's a whole new thing. And I said, well, I think they're DCDA twins, meaning two sacs, two placentas, um, sorry, low risk. And she then – I think checked back with work and they had just trialed one mother with twins in maternity group practice at the Mercy in Heidelberg. And I was the second one. And then she got it. Like she, I think she had a meeting with the, I don't know who the people that run it. And she said, this woman's had a really natural delivery first baby, you know, big baby went overdue, was all fine. Um, and you know, she's now pregnant with low risk twins. Can she do maternity group practice? And they're like, okay, yeah. Like her and the other twin mom can be the the first trials through maternity group practice. So yeah, so got in. And so I just had the same model of care, the whole pregnancy with her, like it was appointments with her constantly. I saw an obstetrician much, much later. And that was, um, every second appointment, I would see the OB. head of obstetrics. Yeah, the OB. Yeah, um, every second appointment, um, and he was awesome because I was so adamant I'm not having a cesarean just because it's twins. I was like, I have had a vaginal birth before. I can do this again. It's possible. Um, I was very anxious about bleeding because, you know, my midwife straight away was like, you know, Melanie, you've had the history of it. It's more likely you're going to hemorrhage again not to mention with twins, you always bleed more. But she said, but because it's happened, we are so onto it. We are going to be um, all over it. So we'll do more, you know, pretty much they were saying bleeding drugs as the minute the baby's born, two IVs, um, can't have a physiological delivery of the placentas, which I was happy with because I, um, yeah, I didn't mind that. So, so, yeah, you know, the pregnancy was fine. The twins were always measuring really well um I never felt good there was no moment of feeling good the whole time I had severe pelvic girdle pain so I had a limp and it was life-changing though to see a women's pelvic physio that that made a huge difference but it certainly didn't get rid of the pain mm-hmm. and at what point did you go into labor So um, I was 36 plus six Mm -hmm. and I was staying at my mum's overnight because I was so done. I was like, I can't, I cannot even do a minute more of this. And mum and dad said, come and stay with us tonight, leave Will at home with with dad and um, come and have a rest. So I slept there and I slept really well. The night before though, I said to my dad, look at my feet. And dad's like, Melanie, I've never seen feet look like that. They were so... (laughs) swollen um and I probably should have been like can someone check my blood pressure but I mean my blood pressure was fine but I think isn't swollen feet a sign of you know blood pressure problem we no one said anything it was just like insane and you know if you pressed on my feet there was a huge dent for like minutes and minutes (laughs) I know and I and then I cried I had a big cry to mum, and I was like I can't do this much longer mum. like they're gonna have to come any you know any minute now because I I physically cannot do this much longer my belly was massive I was measuring like 46 weeks more actually maybe more um and anyway I woke up in the morning and I went to the toilet and then I walked into the bathroom to wash my hands and there was a huge gush so my waters broke all over the floor and I was like oh my god this is real this is there's really two babies coming today or tomorrow so I called my midwife and she said well that's obviously your waters but you still should come in and we're going to check anyway and she mentioned that they want to know which baby's waters it is because if it's the – so twin A was the one in my pelvis, so she was head down. So, oh, that was another thing. Being head down, baby A needed to be head down for me to have a vaginal delivery. So, she, so yeah, River was head down the whole time and Hunter was transverse across my pelvis for a lot of it and then she kind of moved and then her head – was like under my ribs and her feet were dangling near River's face, if that makes sense, yeah. down. And so that was all fine. They said, yep, all good. Blood pressure was fine. Blood tests were fine. So I was, you know, um, oh, my iron was really low actually, but 
I think that is twins. Yeah. And you were still taking all of those supplements throughout your pregnancy? I did. And I, and I had the knowledge to take all the good stuff. So I don't think it was a lack of that. Although actually for a bit of the pregnancy before I learned a little bit more about iron supplements, cause I still hadn't finished my degree at this point. Um, I was being told to take ferrograd C and then it wasn't going up to so take, take two ferrograd C and I was constipated like beyond belief. So I couldn't actually do that. And then in the end, I've learned that's actually not the best practice to get iron up. It's not more is more. Um, the more iron you take, the less absorption you have. So it's quite funny. It went against me entirely in the end. So, but I think with twins, it's natural that your iron will drop, um, there wasn't, yeah, I wasn't too fussed about it. I felt like rubbish, but I just sort of accepted this is, this is what it is. And once they're born, I'll fix it. And so went to the hospital and had the waters swab done. And they wanted to know that it was Rivers Waters, the baby in the birth canal, versus Hunter's Waters, because if it was Hunter's Waters, then she could dry out before Rivers broke. And anyway. Um, so they said, look, we highly recommend you stay here because twins can be born very quickly. If it's your second birth, the labor, I think it was the weight on your cervix is so immense that your cervix dilates a lot quicker, I believe they said to me. So, you know, you really could be, um, at this point I had no signs of labor. I didn't have any contractions or anything like that. And so they were kind of saying it can ramp up really quickly. You don't want to deliver a baby on the road, on the side, twins on the side of the road. Yes. So stay here. Um, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not staying here. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't want to. So I was like, no, you know, I hear what you're saying, but we're going. And, you know, I hadn't even said goodbye to Willow yet. Like I sort of just went straight to the hospital. I hadn't really said, I hadn't really had my moment with Willow. of like, this is my last moment with you before I have two more babies yeah. kind of thing. So, but yeah, so went home and I sort of relaxed most of the day, um, cried a little bit, cried a lot actually, cause I was like, holy shit. And <laughs> having that moment with Willow of like, Oh, this is it. You know, this is just me and you now, and it's not going to be for much longer. And then we went for some walks around the block and that is when my cramping started. So it was only after I started walking and that would have been – so my waters broke at like 11 a.m. and then my cramping didn't start until 4 p.m. And then the recommendation was just come in. Like my midwife, Serena, was like, you know, come in because you don't want to – you don't want your labor to move really, really quickly and it, and you not be in the hospital. So, yeah, so I we drove in and, and yeah, got admitted and they were like, okay, we need to start putting drips in, we need to prepare you. And a big part of my pregnancy journey was accepting the medicalization of the birth mm-hmm. because I won from Willow's birth, which was no intervention literally until the hemorrhaging to, okay, you're having twins. We need to control every aspect of this. Otherwise, you know, it's dangerous and you could potentially be under an anesthetic for baby B and all sorts of things. Anyway, so the recommendation was that I have an epidural and they said it's it's just much more manageable with twins to have an epidural because we can safely deliver twin B. The epidural is already there if you need to have a cesarean. Um, you don't need to be knocked out. And it's very painful for us to try to manually get baby B out because if they had said if Hunter doesn't come down, they need to go in and get her with their arms. So, you know, they said epidural and... I was like, nah, no way, I'm not doing it. I hate <laughs> I hate the thought of it. Nope. But I did get to this. I did a lot of research and then I thought, no, I feel comfortable in saying yes to this. And I felt happy that it was my decision. So that was a big thing for me. It was like, I'm not going to do it just because you say so. I really yeah. want to research and then make my own decision and then, I, and then I'll feel very happy with my own decision. And was the epidural to happen the minute you got to hospital or? Um. So they wanted to do it, I believe, once I was in established labour. I'm pretty sure it was just once I'm in really good established labour, we can place it. And I said, I want a walking epidural. And they were like, oh, no, we don't know. But I was like, no, I'm serious. I want to be able to move still. And I want to be able to actively um, walk around. And they were like, oh, it's a bit dangerous and you could fall. And anyway, um, so got to the hospital, got my drips put in. I hate needles. I was like crying. Mm. <laughs> I was so scared. And, and I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like I'm frightened to death. What, something happens to me or the girl. Oh, I didn't know there were, oh, yes, I knew there were girls. Sorry. We found out there were girls. 
um, and I was so frightened at that point. And my midwife just gave me really good pep talks and she was so calming. And she was like, I'm here every step of the way. You're going to be fine. The babies will be fine. We've got this. And so I just labored for in the hospital room. So it was completely different to Willow's labor pains. Funnily enough, the pain level was like in half. Oh. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm barely even able to stop talking through the contractions. Whereas with Willow, I was hunched over vomiting profusely. Oh. So, you know, I kept saying, oh, the pains are two out of 10 guys. And so they'd go away. And then they'd come back <laughs> and be like, okay, you know, what, what's it now? You know, and I didn't really want that many internal checks. So I kind of, I just said, well, you can do an internal check when it's really full on for me. And anyway, then it got to after midnight at this point and my midwife was like, what's the pain? And I said, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's getting more intense, but I'm fine. Um, anyway, so she's like, oh, I think we need to do an internal check to see what's actually going on. And she was like, holy crap, you're eight centimetres. We need to quickly get this epidural in. Oh, my gosh. I know. I was like, you are kidding. So the pain was nothing. Like it was really weird. But they did explain to me later that twins, the cervix dilates much easier because of the weight on it. Oh. So it's like it doesn't have to work so hard. It's not as painful. Um, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, so then the, the anesthesiologist came in and, and I started crying as soon as I saw him because oh I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to drool. Um and he was like, you know, um, trying to explain to me all the, you know, their spiel about it, what we're doing today, what the risks are, and, you know. And I was crying and he's like, I'm sensing you don't want me to do this, which means I can't do it because you're not consenting. And I was like, no, I do, but I don't, you know. <laughs> and he was like, well, you need to be fully consenting to this. And I was like, no, I am. I do want it. I'm just scared, you know. Yeah. He was awesome, though. He's He was so good. Um, and it was it was fine. It was nowhere near as bad as I thought it would be. Nowhere near as bad. Um, the only thing was once the epidural was fully in and, and the drugs went in, I felt very faint and my blood pressure like plummeted and I started to say, I'm going to faint. And then they kind of freaked out because they're like, you can't move. We're still not finished. And he's like, please don't move. If you move, you know, something could really happen. And I was like, I'm about to faint. I need to quickly lie down. And so they, it was a bit frantic at that point. And then he's like, okay, you can lie down now. And then I lied down and I laid there for a little while and I didn't faint, but my blood pressure took a little bit of time to come back up again. And then that was it for a couple more hours. I just laid in the bed. I ended up not wanting to walk around. So I just felt comfortable in bed and I was like, I'm happy to just lie here. Could you still feel your surges? Yeah. So I felt insane amount of pressure and like maybe cramping, but the, the intensity was taken away because um, of the epidural. Then um, they came in and checked me again and they were like, all right, it's go time. You're, you're about 10 centimeters. Let's do this. And I had no feeling of pushing. So that was kind of weird that they were like, let's do this. And I was like, well, I don't feel like pushing, but they were like, I think with the epidural, they wanted me to actively push. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, they got all the people in. There were so many people everywhere. There was, you know, like three or four, I can't remember, obstetricians. There was a pediatrician. There was two NICU nurses. There was midwives, like four midwives. Wow. Yeah, it was it was very full on. Nothing like Willow's birth. It was just mm -hmm. so full on um and medicalized and scary. Like I was scared the whole time. Like Let's put it that way. I was scared the whole time just because I didn't know I just felt really out of control and I thought um, I'm not going to feel calm until they're both born safely. Yeah. And so then I start, they said, okay, you got to start to push. And I was like, I don't know how to push with epidural in. I don't know where I'm pushing to. Um, but they were amazing and they were, they were super calm and made me laugh a lot. And, um, and so then I pushed and River was born within minutes. Like it was so easy. And then she was there and I was like, oh my God, there's a baby <laughs> on me. It was so, it was just crazy. And then she was struggling to, I wanted to do like cord clamping. So we did it for a little bit, but nowhere near as long as I wanted because she was struggling to breathe. And so then they quickly took her over and um, did some stuff to her. I think she had mucus in it stuck or something. I'm not sure. But they were like, stop concentrating on her. And I was so worried about her. And I kept looking over to her and seeing if she was okay. And they were like, Melanie, you need to stop. You've got another baby that needs to come out. Like stop looking over at her, start focusing on the next baby. And that was really hard. Like, I think I had to just ignore what was happening to River. And she was – like I could hear River gagging and, and trying to cry and they were putting things down her throat and um, they may have put CPAP on her. I don't I don't remember. Um, and, you know, and my partner was with River and so I was totally on my own giving birth to Hunter and 
anyway, so Hunter um, had all this room. All of a sudden, River was gone, and then Hunter was just floating up the top near my rib. And they had to pop her waters. So they did that, and there was this massive gush. I was like, oh, my God. It was just insane, the amount of water that came out. And then they were trying their hardest to get Hunter down. So they had an ultrasound machine and they were like talking frantically and trying to figure out where she was and pushing on my stomach a lot. So a lot of external manipulation to try to guide her down, head down. It felt like a lifetime, but it was, I think it was 14 minutes between them that they were born. And she, then she came into the birth canal and said you know you need to push really hard to get her head in because I'd push a little bit and then she would kind of float back up again and then they were like you know push as hard as you can and I remember thinking I've destroyed my pelvic floor just now because of the pushing intensity and so I pushed hard as I absolutely could I gave it all my might and then yeah and then she was out in one push and how big were they so Hunter was 3.7 kilos and River was 3.2. What? That's incredible. Yeah, that was massive. Um, no wonder I felt like yeah. death and so so much pain. I think I went into labour early because of how heavy they were, like the weight of them. I don't think my cervix could help it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just like, I, yeah, got to get these guys out. And I was fine. Like they, they, you know, Hunter was a bit healthier, I think, of, with breathing, and she was able to do delayed cord clamping a little bit longer. Um, and there was a color difference between the two. And it's funny, their placentas had fused, so that made me think later in my research because River was very pale and very sleepy for days and days and days, whereas Hunter was bright red and fully awake and had really bad jaundice. So in my research, I actually think they developed um, – it's, it's, I think it's called late twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. It's when – or transient maybe or acute. I can't remember the word, but it's when the placenta fuse and like within the labour process there's a blood exchange and river gave to Hunter. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm certain that's what's happened. They weren't really sure. But, yeah, because Hunter had to get admitted to special care three days after he was born because of her jaundice levels. Okay. And River was so sleepy. Like she would sleep hours and hours and wouldn't feed. And so it was really quite difficult to establish breastfeeding with her because she wouldn't even be awake to force her to breastfeed. Like Mm -hmm. she would be just out of it. But we got there and I ended up being able to breastfeed them fully until they were um, 16, 17 months old. Well done. That's incredible. And did you have any bleeding with them? I didn't really. I think so. About an hour after birth, one of the doctors came in and was like, mm, I'm going to give you this drug. I think it was called transamic acid. And they said that will really stop blood, blood loss because they weren't saying I was bleeding a lot. They were like, mm, it's not slowed down quite yet. So let's get on top of it. And then the transamic acid just worked instantly. And then there was no more blood loss. Um, so I had a blood test later on and they were like, everything's perfect. Your hemoglobin's fantastic. And um, I felt so good, like Amazing. jumped out of bed. I had a shower. I didn't feel faint or weak. I could walk uh, around the hospital ward. Um, it was just polar opposite. Like after Willow, I was so weak. I could actually barely get out of the hospital bed to go to the toilet. Whereas with with the twinnies, it was not like that at all. So, And then postpartum was a dream. I really, I took so many good quality supplement, not so many, but I had the right amount for me to make sure I felt good. And, you know, I was getting 45 minute blocks of sleep because of breastfeeding and having to wake them. And I was breastfeeding one at a time at that point because I couldn't do both. I felt like I couldn't. So for the first three months, you know, I was literally getting 45 minutes of sleep and then I'd start again. My alarm would go off. I'd breastfeed one, then the other sleep. And I had never felt better. I was like, this is insane. I am coping so much better than after Willow. And it's it's really because my body was supported. I didn't have any depletion. I took the right things. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that was it. I, I really was, yeah. And I also prioritised eating well as well. Like after Willow, I just pretty much ate what people gave me and it was carbs. It was just constant, constant sweets or carbs, yeah. like pasta, lasagna, and I was always hungry. So we would just fill ourselves up with carbs and yeah. sugar. And and so after the twins, I really made such a conscious effort. Like I knew I had to have a protein shake every day for the protein requirements. I had to have fats. I had to have this. And yeah. The fact that you had a better postpartum with twins speaks volumes, doesn't it? It's baffling. I didn't, I was like, this is insane. But also as well, I was 
as we spoke about before, I was adjusted to the experience. I knew what having a newborn would look like. And I also had much lower expectations because everyone like put the fear of God into me when I was pregnant. Like, Oh my God, twins, like say goodbye to sleep, say goodbye to your your life. You know, it's going to be hell. Um, so my expectations were actually so low because I was like, it's going to be a nightmare. There's just, you know, and it wasn't quite like that at all. (laughs) My twins, everyone's twins are different. My twins got very, very difficult, um, from about seven months old. Yes, from, mine too. From seven months until two and a half, okay. that's the hardest thing I've ever been through. Okay, good to know. So there is a light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it definitely. It was a nightmare daily. Like their sleep was atrocious. They yeah. would wake each other. They were always crying and whinging because they wanted me and I wasn't able to do both. So one would be sitting there crying, wanting me, and it was just yes. the fighting and, oh, my God. Oh, I'm in Next it. Level. I'm in it deep. So two and a half, you said? <laughs> yeah, two and a half. I think, I think their, language, their language developed a lot more and they were able to understand yeah. things easier. Like, I'm helping River. I'll be there in a minute, you know, yeah. and they didn't want to be carried so much. I think the carried issue was huge. Mm. Good to know. I'm busy writing all of this down. (laughs) In terms of your entire experience, is there anything that you think you would do differently? Um, I would have a postpartum doula next time. I would definitely do that. I would let my mum be there as well because she – I'm, I think I'm confident enough and I know what I'm doing now with birth that I wouldn't fall into that sookie daughter role. Um, and I, she, she would love the experience of seeing, seeing me give birth and her grandchild be born because she hasn't ever yet. Are you considering having more or? I don't know. We're not sure. We're not sure. Yeah. It's hard. My business is so hectic and busy that I don't know what life would look like if we did have another one. But often we feel like there is someone missing from our dining table when we eat dinner, oh. you know, but the twins are so much work. I, yeah. Like it's, there's, yeah, there's no way it could be anytime soon because of I thought, oh, maybe this year we'll we'll try, but no. I I don't think the twins it would be a disservice to the girls because yeah. you know, I'm running a business that is more than full time in the limited amount of hours I get without them because I don't want to be away from them too much. So I really only do clinic three days a week. And I'm launching my own supplement range in a couple of months. <gasps> Oh, yeah, that's so exciting. I know. So I'm launching a prenatal and an iron supplement very soon Amazing. because I really have issues with every single one at the moment. I've, I feel like, yeah, there's there's things I could be doing better. Wow, congratulations. Mm. That's so exciting. I know, it's huge. Yeah. I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that one. Yeah, thank you. To wrap up the episode, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? I think learning about the fourth trimester I I really feel that that is so um especially first-time mums it's just not spoken about and it's not spoken about like what a good postpartum will look like versus if you don't do and set things up Mm -hmm. what that experience will be like for you and I also think that's why postpartum doulas are worth their wedding gold um and really researching your health and what you're going to do for your health instead of spending hours and hours researching a pram, for example, like Mm. I did that. I spent so much ridiculous amount of time that I'll never get back talking about, you know, what pram am I going to get and this and that, and yet spent no time investing in me. And what would I, like, am I going to get self-care time and, and what does it look like for me to look after my health? And I think that's, that's so important. The healthier you are, the more you're, your family thrives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I'm learning a little bit more about how, you know, our toddlers like co-regulate with our nervous system. And so, you know, if you're feeling like rubbish, your nervous system's not going to function well. So you're not actually going to cope well with stress and your mood will be, um, your mood will be snappy and irritable and easy to anger and you'll feel in flight or fight mode more often than not, like you're in survival mode. And that actually is what our kids are absorbing from us because, Mm -hmm of co-regulation they learn how to cope with things and they they look to us to borrow our nervous systems while theirs are developing and so it's so vital that we fix our own if there are any biochemical reasons as to why you know you're in constant survival mode and your adrenaline and cortisol and you know all of it yeah so much to learn i've really enjoyed our chat today thank you so much mel for coming on and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge with us oh not at all i love talking about it thanks for having me
That brings us to the end of today's show, everyone. Some incredibly useful information throughout this episode for you all. Besides the beautiful birth stories we heard today, which, as you know, twin birth is very close to my heart. We also got to touch on the critically important postpartum period and some of the steps that you can take to better support yourself through that time. We really are so lucky that this type of care is now becoming more available to us and women are starting to become more aware of its importance. There are some incredible practitioners out there that can support you along your journey and you don't even need to drive anywhere these days. Like Melanie, so many practitioners now offer their support via Zoom. So I really encourage all of my listeners, no matter where you are on your journey, to seek out this type of support and get your blood work done, guys. It really can reveal so much. We really need to start putting the same amount of effort into ourselves as we do our birth and babies or even our nurseries. I have learned that optimum health is so much more than just eating healthy. You could literally be eating the healthiest food in the world, but still be depleted in some way, especially after pregnancy and birth, which is why getting specific testing done and looked at by a practitioner that specializes in this area can be crucial to your story. If you are feeling your best, then that has a cascade effect on everyone and everything in your life, including your experience as a mother. But most of all, your babies. They rely on you for so much more than just survival. If any of today's story has resonated with you, please reach out to Melanie via her Instagram or website, which I will link in the show notes for you guys. Also, I have the wonderful book by Dr. Oscar Serilac, which I personally used as a postpartum Bible, available for purchase on the PBA website. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Bye.